0: So this morning, um, we're just going to really stay on the same track we've been on as far as healing and in our body. There's a list. I got an email from Marie this past week. I asked her, if you're on her group text, she sends out a text message in the prayer group, and this week it was literally blowing up. Usually she'll send out maybe one or two texts maybe every couple of weeks, maybe once a week. But this week, it was, uh, it was overwhelming for sure. So I do think there is a... Um, attack on people, whether it's a sickness or just through unusual incidences that happen that cause you to be hurt or sick. And so uh, this morning, that's where we're going to land. We're going to get there where I want to call you forward if you need prayer for physical healing or some type of attack on your life. <clears throat> that's where we're going to end uh, this morning where you're going to come forward and the, the deacons, the elders and are going to pray for you. I've been really praying for the gift of, the gifts of healing to break out in our body. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Isaac began to pray, and he just felt led by the Lord to call forth those who uh, feel stirred for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe that was real. And I've been praying specifically for this one gift, the gift of, uh, of healing in our body. And so this morning, though, we're going to jump through chapters 12 through 14 in 1 Corinthians. I want to speak into uh, the direction the Lord's been leading our meetings together, where we really want and we really believe the Lord is leading our gatherings. Yes, we have a little run sheet that we have, and we mark who's going to say this and who's going to do that. But at the end of the day, we can, we can burn up the run sheet, and uh, we're not here to put on a show or a performance for you. Where We're here to be led by the Lord, and that this is his church. So he gets to do what he wants to do. And Dave, Barry, and I need God's grace to be able to hear what he is saying and doing. And thankfully, we have you. You can help. Or no? Or you don't want to? You just want to come and hang out and watch? Call to participate, yes. All right. So 1 Corinthians 12, I felt like there are four exhortations that um, the Lord has laid on my heart in these three chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, t- chapter 12, 13, 14. And so I'm just going to lay out there four exhortations in these chapters um, that I think will be extremely helpful for us. If you're new to this body, there have been some new people and you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit and what he does in our meetings. Um, hopefully this, this morning will you know, paint a better picture for you and uh, paint our heart as well. But also, you know, we're going to lean heavily on the word of God. Okay, one of my first points here, I'm just going to jump into it. Um, We must all keep our eyes on Jesus. There's something in the charismatic world to where we think if we get too much word, the Holy Spirit kind of leaves. Right? If we preach too much doctrine, the Holy Spirit gets suffocated and he just... uh, just let, let the Holy Spirit move, brother. Right? Let's just keep worshiping. Let the Spirit move. And that will be it. But here at Heart of the Father, we're committed to the Word of God. And that the Holy Spirit loves the Word and the Word loves the Holy Spirit. Mike Bickle said it best. He says the Holy Spirit comes riding in on the chariot of the Word. Right. That if we want the Holy Spirit to begin to move, and continue to move, then we need to stick to what's in here. That there's no opposition between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. There's no conflict. There's really no conflict. The Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. He loves to magnify Jesus. Jesus even said, the Holy Spirit will testify of me and he will glorify me. So in your mind, you need to be thinking, Holy Spirit, you love to magnify Jesus. You love to make it about Jesus. And then Jesus, he loves the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, he loves them. There's a couple reasons why he loves them. We'll get to in a little bit, but he loves the Holy Spirit. He loves when the Holy Spirit comes and gifts are manifesting. There's life in the stall. He doesn't get worried when things get a little crazy. He's not, oh, Holy Spirit, they're getting crazy. Leave, hurry, go. No, no, no. He's like, it's okay. They'll figure it out. He loves the Holy Spirit. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12. I just said it. Hello. Verse 1 through 7. Okay, my first point here is that we must all keep our eyes on Jesus. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be Ignorant. Okay, we can't be ignorant here. Ignorance leads to misuse and it leads to abuse. Let's not be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So all, di- all the diverse gifts... All the different ministries, all the diverse activities, all the manifestations of the Spirit that happen within the body are to reveal, point to, and declare that Jesus is Lord of all and head of the church. Did you see in verse 3, he says that no one speaking by the Spirit will say that Jesus is accursed. But if the Holy Spirit is moving, if he's really moving in our midst, it will bring glory and attention to Jesus. It's not going to bring attention to man. The Holy Spirit is not really into making much of you and me. So if he wants to use you, praise God. We invite that. We welcome that. But he's not really into glorifying you. He's not into magnifying your ministry. He's not into making much of your gifting. There's one thing that he really is interested in doing, is making much of Jesus. So when we see gifts manifesting, we should instantly think, the Lord is here. The head of the church, he's here. It's not, oh, the Holy Spirit's here and Jesus is maybe somewhere else. No, the Holy Spirit starts moving. We need to be thinking the Lord is here. I mean, look at his life and ministry in the Gospels. Gifts breaking out, healings breaking out. The Lord is here. Thomas Schreiner says this about spiritual gifts and the lordship of Jesus. He says, The truth of Jesus' lordship is foundational and pivotal for the entire discussion of spiritual gifts. For those who exalt in their own gifts are subtly, or perhaps not so subtly, thinking they are sovereign. Those who who are believers confess that Jesus is Lord, and such a confession is not self-generated, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit. All the gifts people exercise flow from Jesus' lordship and sovereignty. Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit's moving. Again, he's moving in our midst. He's doing what he wants to do. He should be taking our eyes and putting them on Jesus. Not on the man or woman, not on the gift, upon Jesus. That is, that's absolutely essential Okay, if I, if you come to me and you say, "Brother, I'm just a word guy," or I'm just a spirit, I'm a, I'm a spirit led person, and you're saying, "I just kind of flow the spirit, that's my thing," and you guys over there are kind of word guys over there, that's a, to me that's a red flag. If you do that, that's not okay. Was Jesus in his ministry just saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm more of a word guy"? Did he say that? Or did he just say, "Hey, I'm just more of a spirit-led guy." Right? That language we use that language though. I've done it before. I mean, I just want to be just want the services to be spirit-led. And I agree with you. We want that. But when you say that, are you saying what you that you really want the service to go the way you want it to go? Is that what you're trying to say? Or are you saying, Lord, I want these things to be spirit-led because you're going to make much of Jesus and his word. The Holy Spirit is not shy. He's not intimidated about the word of God. He's not so fragile that if the word starts getting preached that he just kind of feels quenched and he just goes in the corner and like, oh, gosh, they're preaching that word again. (laughs) No, he actually gets excited about this. It's like, okay, now they're gonna, the body's going to begin to stand uprightly, and I can move, and they're going to know who's doing it. The Lord. But this, this language of, I'm just more of a, a word person, or, or on the other side, I'm more of a spirit-led person. What does that even mean? What are you trying to say? But they're one and the same. The Holy Spirit loves making much of Jesus. Jesus loves the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving. So in our meetings, when we gather together, some practicals here. How does this play out? Okay? We want much attention upon Jesus. And so if you are feeling led, we've talked to the prophetic team. We've talked to, you know, if you, the core team. And if you've been here for some amount of time, if you feel like the Lord has given you a word to share to our body, and you're a member here and we actually know you, we're, we're totally open to you coming and sharing a word. But here's the thing, you have to ask yourself this, is what I'm about to say and do, is it going to enhance, strengthen the worship of Jesus? Is it going to cause people to look to Jesus more or is it going to cause people to look at you? Is it going to cause people to say, wow, you're so gifted? And they leave the service thinking how gifted you were. That's not what the Lord wants. That's not his best. His best is when we leave our meetings and we're like, oh, my gosh, did you guys see what the Lord did? I think about last week. I don't think there there was no MJ in the room last week. Carissa and her team led the the dramatized scripture piece. Randy in the choir. Barry preaching the gospel. There was like, to me, in my mind, it was like well-tempered, well-balanced. That's what the Holy Spirit will do when we all start functioning and moving, is that not one person is going to be so highlighted that everyone else is like, oh, second, third place. So once again, all the diverse gifts, all the different ministries, all the diverse activities, and all the manifestations of the spirit that happen within the, our body are to reveal, point to, and declare that Jesus is Lord and head of the church. Do you agree with me? If you do, say amen. amen. Okay, second point. We must all embrace. So with this AC it keeps turning my Bible page. Stay still. give me something though Holy Spirit's turning the page on me. He wants to get to another word, huh? So we second point here, we must all embrace our personal gifting while embracing variety so that we can get in position. I want you to embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, and I want you to embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit in someone else's life so that you can actually be in position. Usually what starts happening when the Holy Spirit's moving and certain people may be highlighted just a little bit is that jealousy and pride and insecurity start getting stirred up in here. Start getting jealous because well, man, I don't know the gifts in my life, and they seem to be so confident and so strong, and they know this stuff. Or, man, why does so-and-so always get to share the word? Jealousy. We start getting insecure. Oh, God can't use me. I'm just, no, not good enough. I'm not as good as the elders. I'm not as good as so-and-so. He can't use me. Insecurity. Envy. But I want to encourage you this morning that it's okay to focus and to understand and to flow in the gifting in your life while embracing the variety around you so that you can actually be in the position God wants you to be in. It's, it's really possible to do that, to celebrate someone else's gifting and still walk in yours. You don't have to pick one or the other. Let's look at the word here. What's the word say? Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. That phrase, each one, also could be said as each time always. So the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one each time always for the profit of all. So the Holy Spirit didn't just miss you and he forgot, oh, so-and-so got saved, I better give them a gift. No. Each time, every time someone is born into the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit endows them with gifts. It's real. He really does. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith. By the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, each time, always, as he wills. Look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Sounds like insecurity. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Maybe there's jealousy. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now, this is crucial, but now God has set. Who has set? God has set. The members, each one, each time, always in the body just as he is pleased. Look over at verse uh, 28. This little phrase that God has set is also said in verse 28. And God has appointed, or he has set, he has assigned a specific place, these in the church. First, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, etc. cetera. So you may say, well, man, Brandon, I don't have, I'm not an apostle, prophet, teacher. I don't have any, the gift of healing, miracles. I don't have anything they said in verse 28. Well, guess what? Go back to verse 18. God has set you in place just the same as he set those other things in place. You are just as much a part of this body as, you, as our apostles, prophets, teachers, etc. Do you actually believe that? Do you believe that the Lord has sent you here to be a part of this body? Do you believe he's endowed you with gifts to contribute to this body? He has done that. It's not me. I'm not trying to give you false encouragement or just try to make something up. This is what the word says. God has set you in. God has given you gifts. He did it. So why do you keep questioning? Lord, did you really call me here? Did you really give me gifts? Do you? Are we reading the same book? He did it. But what sometimes discourages us or, or detracts us is pride, insecurity, or jealousy. I want to read a brief story here. There was a brother, J. Lee Grady. He went to, uh, to China and visited the underground church, and he shares this story, and it's so powerful. <clears throat> it's going to take a second, but stay with me here. He says, back in 2001, I had the opportunity to spend eight remarkable days with leaders of China's underground house church movement. These amazing men and women, all of whom had spent plenty of time in prison for illegally preaching the gospel, were leading massive church networks. One man, known as Brother Z, was responsible for a movement of 13 million Christians. This guy was like an Apostle Paul. He had seen miracles, and he had also had been beaten and jailed for his faith. I knew he functioned in an apostolic role because he plants churches, trains pastors, coordinates ambitious evangelism, evangelism projects, and works hard to stop the spread of heresy, which is common in China because of a lack of Bibles. But Brother Z didn't act like a big shot. In fact, when we gathered for meetings, he sat near the back of the room. I felt unworthy to be in this man's presence, but he was always gracious enough to invite me to sit with him at mealtimes. So one evening over a dinner of fish and rice, I asked Brother Z what titles he uses when referring to himself or other leaders. Do you call yourself an apostle or bishop or what, I asked. Brother Z smiled innocently. Perhaps my question amused him. We don't really use titles, he said. We just prefer to call each other brother or sister. So, so what are you jealous about someone else's gifts and position and title? We're brothers and sisters, right? His words haunted me during my journey home. When I got back to the United States, I found myself wincing when I saw an advertisement for a conference. Under each featured speaker's photograph was his name and title. Apostle this, prophet that, bishop whatever. I felt grieved not because these men and women didn't have the biblical right to use these titles, but because of the way we seem to flaunt them. In China, apostles are called brothers. They start churches with new converts. Communist, Communist police chase them and sometimes torture them. They certainly aren't doing ministry for money. They have no scent of smugness or arrogance. Oh, could we get a dosage of that? We're all brothers in here. You may function in a five-fold gifting. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It's really good for you to be known as brother or sister. It's really good for me to be known as brother or sister. We're going to honor positions and realms of authority in the church that the Lord has set in place. We're going to do that. We're going to honor, but we're not going to worship. And so often we tend to worship. And that's not okay. That dishonors the Lord, even in his own house. So I'm your brother. You're my brother and sister. Is that okay? Do we do we need to we can get the little name tags out and put little titles on everyone's thing just to make, if you need to feel good about yourself and we put the title on there we'll do it if you really want that all right you know men's ministry leader tyler first bishop first title. First so whatever title you want to get but we're all brothers and sisters in here and there's one lord and there's truly one apostle there's one prophet there's one evangelist there's one pastor and teacher And if you think if you think you know you're an apostle, when you meet the apostle, you're going to think you're not an apostle. <laughs> you're going to say, "Lord, I'm unworthy. I'm an unworthy, unprofitable servant." But if you get excited about your fivefold gifting, something's maybe a little off. Okay, so. Our giftings, the variety in here, they're not meant to compete against one another. They're meant to complement each other. Okay, Mick just told me to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Okay, there's variety in here. I love, like last week, for example, I love the variety. I loved it. I, personally, I love when things are happening and I have nothing to do with it. And I just get to watch. I love that. But Mick, what did I say here? Let me say it again. Yeah, God's intention for all the variety is that it should complement one another, not compete against each other. Can we do that? Say it again. It's on, it's it's being recorded, you guys can get it. Giftings should complement. There's no need to fight. There's no need for your heart to get stirred up about so and so, and they you think their gifting is way better than yours, and all this stuff. And guys, you're wasting your time. Don't do that. I tell myself, Brandon, stop it. Don't do that. So if you have a favorite elder, stop it. I mean, unless it's me, but you know what I'm saying? joking if you have a favorite worship leader here right stop it don't do that and even you know I'll put I'll say this as well you know there are just there's some giftings that stand out more than others in the public setting and that's okay it doesn't mean the other gifts suck just because your gift can't really be manifested publicly in front of everyone doesn't mean your gifting is in value. It's, it's just worthless. doesn't really work well. It's not really good. Guys, that's, that is a lie. That is a huge lie. Okay? Yes, there are certain gifts that may flow, function better when everyone's gathered together. For example, prophecy. That's why Paul exhorts us to go after it. But it doesn't mean we're trying to diminish or, or put your gift off to the side. That's not our heart, okay? So we all must embrace our personal gifting while embracing variety so that we can get in position. God has a position. He has a, a, a function for you to do here. I've really felt, too, that some of you have to maybe shift a little bit as far as where you're serving at maybe. And that's okay. It's okay if you're serving in a specific ministry for six months, a year, or whatever, and you feel like you need to shift. It's okay. It's not like, a, you know, you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not that big a deal. Like, it ain't got to be some emotional. Like, uh, just say, hey, I feel like the Lord is shifting me. Like, will you pray about this? Will you walk with me through this? And just make the shift. And maybe let the leader know so they have some kind of grit of what's going on and how they can pray for you. But it don't have to be this big breakup and, like, this, this crazy thing. Just make a shift. It's going to be okay. All right? We're going to trust that the Lord is setting you in where he needs to set you in. Okay, the third point here, keeping it moving. We all must use our gifts for the building and strengthening of the body. <laughs> for some reason, gifts start functioning and flowing, and we're like, okay, now it's my time to rebuke and to tear down. Right? God gave me the word, the prophetic word. I'm going to, to blow this spot up and just... We're going to see what happens. I'm just going to tear it down. Let's look at what the Word says. Let's look at what Paul says. There is definitely room. There's place for correction and rebuke. I'll, I tell people this. Don't, uh, especially if you get a prophetic word of correction for someone, I would say this. Don't prophesy to someone what you can tell them. Oh, just tell them. Don't be like, the Lord says you're in error and you're this and you're that. God, just say, hey, brother, I feel like you're in error. Don't put it off on the Lord when really you're the one that wants to correct them. Don't act like, "Oh, Lord is up there trying to tell me to." I'm some messenger. Don't hurt. Don't shoot me. No, 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 no. Get in there with them. If they're in error, point it out. Don't just say, "Oh, the Lord told me." To tell you got to go. Just tell them. And if you feel like the Lord is really, then say, "Yeah, okay, maybe the Lord is saying it," but. This prophet, or like, you know, someone's at the altar and you got this word for them and you've been waiting for the right time to give them this word of rebuke and you, you, you kind of rebuke them but you kind of don't and the person is left kind of confused, like, did I just get rebuked? <laughs> like, was that a word? of? And now they're confused and, guys, just, just tell the person. Just have a conversation. Is that all right? Okay, let's look at what the word says here. So chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Why? For what? The prophet of all. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Hope you got your Bible with you here. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Okay, so maybe that's why Paul wants prophecy in here because people are encouraged. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than that, that you would prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with a tongue, unless indeed he interprets. Well, why, Paul? Why are you saying that? So that the church may receive edification. We're not done. Look at verse 9. So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. He's talking about tongues again. There are so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. This is the verse right here. Let's look at this. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be done for the edification or the building up of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Why? Because he wants the body to be edified and encouraged. Look at verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach something. Well, what happens when you teach? You increase the chances of someone being encouraged and edified. That I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay, verse 26, last portion here. Let's look for this theme of encouragement, edifying. So how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at, least at most three, each in turn, and let one let the one interpret, but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent and the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. <clears throat> let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you all can prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So there's a lot of order and details he's getting into. But the overarching theme is whatever you do, he's saying we want all, let all things be happen. Let all, all the things happen in our midst. But for this one thing is really important. So that the body might be encouraged. So the Holy Spirit has endowed you with gifts so that you might be an encouragement and a blessing to someone. So church leadership is instructed by the Holy Spirit Through the written word that when we gather corporately, we should be more focused on exercising gifts and doing all the things that will accomplish the highest good for the most amount of people. I'm going to read that again. Church leadership is instructed... By the Holy Spirit, through the written word, we just read it, that when we gather corporately, we should be more focused on exercising the gifts and doing all the things that will accomplish the highest good for the most amount of people. So if we have an evangelistic meeting and we invite all kinds of unsaved people in here and you just want to speak in tongues... And no one's interpreting. We're going to say, shh, these people are not saved. They do not understand what you're saying. Okay, you guys got real quiet. I feel, the t- I feel this is pretty intense right now. Some of you are saying, don't touch my tongues. Do not, do not go there, brother. No, I'm serious. If there are unsaved people, do you just go in publics and just start speaking in tongues to all kinds of people? But Maybe you do. But does it work? Do, are they, do they like, I guess they interpret that as the gospel? No, go in there and preach the gospel. I'm all for praying in tongues. Oh, y'all ain't, y'all ain't ready. Barry, Dave, we ain't ready for all this. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm serious. If we are reaching out to the lost and we have a meeting and there are, there are 300 unsaved people in here. I'm going to call on Brother Enrico and say, preach the gospel. If you, want to, if you want to speak in tongues, can you guys go to the side room over there because these people need to actually hear the word of God so that they might get saved. And we'll introduce them to tongues directly after. We really will. Also, when we gather don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but it's going to mean that not everyone can share what God has put upon their heart. Okay? If we want to be here for five hours, then, yeah, we can all share. Maybe six hours we can all share. But keep in mind, we're thinking about what's going to be the highest good for the most amount of people. Okay? If you want us to pray for your kitty cat that's stuck in the tree, we'll pray for that before or after service. Okay? We don't need to break out in intercession about that because... I love you, but no one really cares. I mean, some people do. Sonia cares. She loves cats. (laughs) Who's the the cat lovers in here? Kay. Kay and Sonia. Okay, y'all just get together. We'll start a cat. We'll start a ministry for praying for cats. All right. We'll just start an apostolic ministry for cat healing. Boom, here we go. Okay, but, but know that. We're thinking in our mind as an eldership team, as a leadership team, what's going to be the highest good for the most amount of people? How are we going to encourage everybody? And then just keep in mind, you know, the Holy Spirit, he, he is open Monday through Saturday, 24-7. So if you don't get a chance to share here, he's open all the time. Okay? Okay, fourth, fourth point, and we're, we're done here. We're going to begin to pray for healing we must all be motivated by love and care for one another. Okay, sometimes I'm guilty too. Sometimes I want the Holy Spirit to move so badly that I'm willing to knock you out of the way just so the Spirit of God can move. And sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to move so bad that we're willing to... Offend and break relationships with people just so the Holy Spirit can move. Brother, you're, you're quenching the Spirit. Get out of the way. You're done. We gave you a chance to, to share on the mic. You quenched the Spirit. You just did something kind of weird or whatever. You're done. Go. Guys, that is not the heart of Jesus, that's not his heart. To quench the Holy Spirit is very, very intentional. Sometimes, even myself, we meet together. I may kind of feel like the Lord's leading in this direction, and really he was going that direction. I missed it. But to say, Brandon is quenching the Spirit, that's that's pretty strong. I would offer to you, say, hey, maybe come to me and say, Brandon, I think you missed it. And then let's talk about it. But if you're just going to say, Brandon just quenching the spirit, well, dang. I mean, you're assuming that's my heart, that's my motive, right? Or a prophetic person gets up here. Guess what? They may miss it too. Are they quenching the spirit? No. They're trying. They're trying to be led by the Lord. Can we impart just a little bit of grace and love? Is that too much to, or does someone got to get it right the, the first time every time? If we, if we have a culture here where it's critical and it's condemning and people get one shot to do it and if they don't get it right, we, like, boo them off the stage, if that is in this culture here, no one's ever going to share. No one's ever going to share. And then you're going to be mad because no one wants to share. We just want the Spirit to move. Come on, help, guys, help. Well, yeah, let's stop criticizing if someone gets up here and kind of fumbles. It's okay. It's okay if you grab this mic and you fumble. We're not going to tear you down. We're not going to kick you out. you guys believe me we won't kick you out? Like we're not going to attack you after service and meet you in the parking lot and just say, you quenched the Holy Spirit. I can't believe you did that. Like, do you know who God is? I mean, look at, okay, here we go. Let's get back to the word. 1 Corinthians 12, okay? You guys don't believe me, okay? We, we just want the gifts, right? We don't care about love and, and all that stuff. We want the gifts. No, no, no. Let's see what the Word says. Okay, the Holy Spirit loves this right here. Look at chapter 12, verse 22 through 26. He says, "...but much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and, on, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty." But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no divisions in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So what does that look like? Verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. As I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of people suffering right now. You know what they need? They need your care. They need your love. And if you care deeply, if you love deeply, maybe the gifting of the Holy Spirit in you might break out of you. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Look at chapter 13. We know this chapter. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I be, have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. <laughs> oh, you guys hear what I'm saying? The, I love you guys. You guys are so awesome, but I just love you so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, that there. Okay. A lot of times people, they, they believe our actions more than they believe our words. And say, I love you, but then I don't show up to help take care of you. I'm MIA, but I love you, brother. But I'm nowhere to be found in your time of need. Don't be that way towards a brother or sister in the Lord. In their time of need, do your best to be there. If you can't be there, communicate it. Just don't be a no-show. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal or a tambourine. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but not love, I am nothing. Because this is strong language. And Paul loves the gifts, okay? He's not turning into some word guy and forsaking the spirit. He loves the gifts. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It, love does not behave rudely. You know, when you're operating in the gift of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to be rude about it. You know, one thing that's rude is pushing someone over. Lay your hand on them; they fall over. Okay, sure, but you don't got to push them. That's rude. (laughs) Want me just to come right to you right now and just push you? How do you feel about that? It's not rude. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. The Holy Spirit rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. If you look in the life and ministry of Jesus, whenever he began to heal people, release miracles in people's lives, one of the primary emotions that was stirred in his heart was compassion, was mercy was care, was love. Okay, you don't believe me. Matthew 6, Jesus saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, so he began to teach, and then he began to perform miracles. Matthew 14, when Jesus went, went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Mark 1, Jesus was moved with compassion and stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing to, be cleansed. Luke 7, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he raised this woman's son from the dead. He was stirred with compassion and love and care. Because of that, the gift just flew out of him. He didn't have to, like, fight and pray in tongues for 10 years and then get gifts get going. No, no. Pursue love. Pursue love First. And then earnestly desire gifts. <clears throat> okay, we're going to jump right in. If you need, and I feel like too, I know Allison. I told my wife someone could come play on the keys, but we're actually not going to do that. Um, we're just going to have you come forward. If you need, you need prayer, you need healing in your body. I just want you to come forward. <clears throat> you know, Jesus didn't have background music in his ministry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If we need to wait like 20 minutes while the music is playing to get stirred, then we didn't waste the 20 minutes, okay? The Holy Spirit is here. I believe the word was preached, so he is present. We don't have to wait for a feeling. The Holy Spirit's not a feeling or an emotion. He's a person. Okay, so you may not, quote, feel right now. That's okay. The Holy Spirit is still here. <clears throat> and we're going to do this. So you out there in your seats, if you see someone up here that you know and they ha- that they have a certain struggle or, or sickness in their body and you want to pray for them, I want to invite you to come. Or if in your heart you're stirred with compassion, if your heart is stirred with love and care, I just want you to come and lay hands on these brothers and sisters deacon team, prophetic team, prayer team, if you're part of any team in here, we're just going to jump right in and we're just going to pray for healing in Jesus' name. When Jesus ministered one of the times, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal. I've been praying that his power would be present, that God would demonstrate his power